We want to commend you all for braving the tropical storm Barry and making it out here. It was, uh, thankfully, it was more of a dud than a, than a stud of a storm. And uh, prefer those, honestly. So I do appreciate that. Thank you, Lord. Today, in our gospel, we hear a very, very common parable. It's actually a parable that actually the world tends to use as a, as a bolster, a kind of billboard of mercy. It's something that I think you and I are very familiar with, and it's actually become a colloquial term just for somebody who does something right, good Samaritan, a good Samaritan. And honestly, because it's so commonly known and, every, and we're all so familiar with it, we can often recite in our sleep, it makes for a pretty hard parable to preach on. So what I want to do is instead of kind of go the typical route that we often hear, the more literal interpretation of this parable, which seems to say, and seems to send the message that you and I are called to be merciful to one another, want to instead talk about how the church fathers interpreted this parable. The interpretation I want to present to you guys comes from the church father named Origen. Origen lived in the year 250. And this interpretation comes, he says, or his, his articulation of it, comes from the, what he calls the elders, which means that it really isn't his idea. It comes from somebody greater. Coincidentally, this idea actually is in, uh, is in another form of St. Irenaeus, who, existed, who, who died in the year 182 AD, who is the disciple, who is the third generation of St. John the Evangelist. So in theory, these guys got this interpretation of this parable that I would like to present to you from the apostles. That this might actually be the way Jesus wanted us to look at this parable. What they say is that this parable is an allegory. A story symbolic of something deeper. A level that's not just evident on first glance. What Origen says is that In this story, the man in it is all of mankind. And this man who who represents mankind, what he's doing is he's leaving Jerusalem. Now, the, the, the church fathers say Jerusalem is paradise. It's the Garden of Eden. It's where you want to be. Even in in Israel this time, it's it's the place of sacrifice. And where's he headed? He's heading to Jericho. Now, Jerusalem's on a mountain. Jericho's in a valley. Jericho's one of the lowest cities in the world. Jerusalem is not the highest city in the world, but it's, it's, it's the, called the Mount Zion. It's the mountain, it's the mountain of the Lord. And so, in a sense, what he's saying is whenever, you say, whenever he's saying a man is going from Jerusalem to Jericho, you're symbolizing a fall. And what's happening during this fall? He's attacked by robbers. What they say is symbolic of Satan and his, his band of demons coming in and beating mankind up and stripping them of their garment. The garment of immortality that God first clothed Adam with. Made it freed from death. Stripped from it. Gone. Back to being mortal. And what is mankind left? Mankind is left half dead. I don't think this is coincidental because it, it goes and proves the point the devil cannot kill. The devil cannot kill. The devil can distort, the devil can, can lie, the devil can do all this stuff, but he cannot take our life. Only God can do that. So basically, it just shows us, and it's evident in the fact that he's left half dead, and not completely dead. And then what happens? A priest passes by. 
This isn't a Catholic priest, this is a, this is a, a, a Jewish priest. Passes by, goes on the other side of him. The fathers say this is indicative and this is symbolic of the law. The Jewish law, that is the, the Levitical law, known as basically the Levitical law and the, the, the moral law, the Ten Commandments. How these things ultimately cannot save if you're already dead. Commandments are good to keep people alive. They're not good for, for people who have already, already broken them. They can't help us out very much. They don't forgive. They just indict. The next person who passes by is the, the, the Levite. This is also kind of a priest, but he's a priest based off of not ordination, but inheritance. These tribe of Levites don't exactly have a, don't have a, a, a they weren't chosen. They were just born into this. Now, these Levites are symbolic of the whole Jewish heritage, the whole existence of, of, of being a Jew. And what happens? They pass by too. A symbolic that salvation ultimately cannot exist just in the Jewish faith. It's not possible. You cannot be saved simply by being a Jewish person. You need to do something more. But who comes after that? The figure that they choose I find is fascinating. Jesus could have said a Roman rode by on a donkey, or an Assyrian, or a Babylonian. All people that Jewish folks hate. They don't like Romans, they don't like Assyrians, they don't like Babylonians because they invaded their country. But instead he chose a Samaritan. Why? I can only guess it's because the Romans and Babylonians and Assyrians, they're all Gentiles. But Samaritans, Samaritans are part Jew and part Gentile. See, what Samaritans are, they were, these were the men of the, basically the 12 tribes. You have, you have your 12 tribes of, of Israel. Two of the tribes stayed faithful, Judah and Benjamin. And 10 went, became unfaithful, and they left, and they were, they basically they were, they were overrun by Assyrians in the 8th century. These Jews went off with the, the Assyrians after they were captured and overrun and beaten up by them, and they intermarried with them, creating what we now call, or what... what, what what the Jewish people in the Gospels call a Samaritans. That is, people who were not really faithful to the covenant, but still kind of somewhat Jewish. So we're looking at basically a person who is Jewish and Gentile, symbolizing how Jesus is here to save both Jew and Gentile. Because that's what Origen says this Samaritan is. The Samaritan is symbolic of Christ. The second person of the Trinity. The donkey is symbolic of his body. The incarnation allowing him to come into the world. And the fact that he dismounts his donkey. The fact that he, he in a sense dies by leaving it. Going down into the ditch. And healing him shows his death and resurrection. Now what does he use? He uses wine and he uses oil. Symbolic of what? The sacraments. The sacraments of his blood and the sacraments of confirmation. These things used primarily for our healing so that we can live. And what does he do? He takes the body of the man, he takes mankind and he places it on the donkey. Uses his body to bring him to safety. And where does he go? He goes to the inn. What Origen says is symbolic of the church. Symbolic of the church. The church is not here for people who are already healed. The physician does not exist for those who are already healthy. He exists for those who are sick. It's the same thing with the church.
The, search, the church is here for those of us who are half dead, which basically means all of us. And what does he do? He gives the innkeeper not one silver coin, not ten silver coins, not 25 silver coins. He gives them two silver coins. And what is that symbolic of? The two testaments. New Testament, Old Testament. And he says, hopefully these are enough. If these are not enough, whenever I return, I will pay you in full. Showing that Jesus Christ will come again. And that, we, that the church will be reimbursed for what the, the amount of what they've spent on us. What she has spent on us. That to me is the true, honest, beautiful interpretation of the Good Samaritan. And the reason why I love this interpretation is because it, it answers so many questions that are proposed right here. You see, whenever the, the, this, this scholar of the law goes up to Jesus and says, who is my neighbor? He's challenging him. And what does Jesus say? He says on the one hand, yeah, you're the Samaritan, your mortal enemy, Jews and Samaritans did not get along. The Samaritans are your neighbor. But he's also saying, I'm your neighbor. Me. If you want to really love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and if you want to love your neighbor as you love yourself, you've got to love me. I am your neighbor. But he doesn't just say how to treat your neighbor. He doesn't, sorry, he doesn't just say who your neighbor is. He says how to treat your neighbor. And that to me is what's more compelling. Very often we read this, the parable of the Good Samaritan and we think it's all about mercy. Not under this interpretation. It goes deeper than that. It goes deeper than just feeding the homeless. It goes deeper than just burying the dead. It goes deeper than just clothing the naked. It goes deeper. Guys, what this is, is a call not for our expression of mercy, but a call for our evangelization. That if we really love our neighbor, if we really love those among us who need the most help, we're going to evangelize them. We're going to lead them to the church. We're going to show them where true life exists. We're not simply going to give them food or give them clothing or give them drink or whatever and leave. We're going to show them the way, the truth, and the life. We're going to show them Jesus Christ. We're going to take them to the innkeeper where they can receive the sacraments, the, te- the New Testament, the Old Testament, and the love of the Lord so they can be healed and become not half-dead men but fully alive men. That's the purpose of this parable. To remind us of our mission. Our mission to go out and make disciples of all nations. It's so much more than just simply be social justice. It's about evangelization. So my dear friends, may that be our spirit. May we have the heart of Christ, the, new, the good Samaritan. The heart of Christ who dismounts from his body, who dies and rises again, who shows us the ultimate. Oh, excuse me. That happened last time. Maybe God doesn't want me to talk about this. Maybe this is the wrong interpretation. <laughs> oh, well. I guess I'll find out later. <laughs> anyway. So, guys, evangelize, be Jesus to people, and show them the way, the truth, and the life. Amen.